My presentation this afternoon is entitled Representação versus Representatividade, Analyzing Black LGBTQ Identity Politics in Brazil. In this presentation, um, I focus on the question of representational politics and how black, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer politicians from the right and the left of the political spectrum fight for or against the communities and identities they represent. I begin with a contextualizing example of, shock, of a shocking interaction between two black LGBTQ politicians on the legislative assembly floor of Sao Paulo that represents the diverging ideas of representational politics among black LGBTQ political actors. I then outline two kinds of representation, representação e representatividade, that I see within the political trajectory of these two politicians. I finally end with reflections on why different black LGBTQ politicians choose different paths regarding representational politics. And a quick note before, I, before we begin, I'd like to give a, a very warm shout out to my amazing mentor, Anani Dizenio, who recently passed away, who if it weren't for his careful guidance in my research and poignant question of how Black LGBTQ activists were also interacting with the state and nation to act out freedom projects, I would have never written this chapter, the chapter that this talk is based upon. Thank you, Professor, for all of your contributions. On April 3rd, 2019, on the floor of Sao Paulo's legislative house, Alespi, State Representative Erica Malunguinho from the leftist political party, Social and Liberty Party, PSOAL, the first black trans woman elected to, Brazil, uh, to Brazilian legislative body, rose to the podium to speak out against uh, a proposed law by Representative Altair Moraes from the conservative Brazilian Republican Party. The proposed law would restrict classification of gender on team sports uh, in the state of Sao Paulo to assign sex at birth. Representative Malunguinho passionately argued against the law and pointed to the examples across the world, including the Olympics, that rejected assigned sex as the only classification of gender. Ending her statement with a potent reminder of the importance of changing the law to fit the transformation of growth of the growth of society, she stated, quote, this is a house of laws. We are absolutely conscious of the fact that the laws decreed and written here will reverberate in the future. But remember, tragedies like slavery have been protected by the law. In direct response to Malunguinho's statement, State Representative Douglas Garcia leapt to the microphone to speak out against her statement. Garcia was elected the same year as Malunguinho from the ultra-conservative Social Liberty Party, uh, PSL, or PSL, <laughs> the former political party of uh, the former political party of Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro. Garcia came to power through organizing with the conservative movement Direta São Paulo, or São Paulo Right, and brands himself as a young conservative voice from the poor and peripheral, peripheral São Paulo. Garcia began his statement lauding Re uh, Representative Moraes for his proposed law to prohibit gender ideology. We'll play a clip to show the rest of the encounter between Representative Malunguinho and Garcia, 
I want to give a trigger warning before the clip begins for transphobic language in the clip. E não apenas esse tipo de descalabro que vem acontecendo né, no nosso estado, no nosso país, como eu já vi em muitos banheiros, como por exemplo no Centro Cultural São Paulo, um absurdo escrito lá, este banheiro é de homens cis, homens trans, homens não sei das quantas, homens daquilo outro, e das mulheres exatamente a mesma coisa, mulheres cis, mulheres trans, mulheres sei lá, sabe o quê? A população brasileira, assim como o resto do mundo, nasceu homem ou mulher com total respeito. Você pode fazer o que você quiser da sua vida. Você pode ser homem, você pode ser mulher, você pode ser travesti, você pode ser trans. Não interessa para mim a denominação ou nome, a colocação que você diz, mas você precisa, sim, respeitar os valores do nosso povo e respeitar principalmente a própria biologia. Porque, senhor presidente, com todo respeito, se acaso dentro do banheiro de uma mulher em que a minha irmã ou a minha mãe estiver utilizando e entrar um homem que se sente mulher ou que, que pode ter arrancado o que ele quiser, colocado o que ele quiser, porém eu não estou nem aí. Eu vou tirar primeiro no tapa e depois chamar a polícia para ir levar, porque é esse o ponto que chegou no nosso Brasil. É esse o ponto que chegou no Estado de São Paulo. Então, aqui, parabenizo ao deputado Altair Moraes, no que depender de mim, eu vou incentivar para que esse projeto seja, vá para frente. Eu posso ser é, Eu faço um pedido que o deputado seja investigado por quebra de decoro parlamentar. É a primeira coisa. Porque você falar que você é um deputado eleito, você está pela, por mais de uma vez incitando o ódio e a violência. Você falou que iria tirar uma pessoa no tapa de um banheiro. Você sabe que discursos como os seus matam pessoas todos os dias. Eu exijo dessa casa que abra-se um processo de quebra de decoro parlamentar por incitação ao ódio. Senhor deputado, aliás, eu não deveria me remeter a você dessa forma, mas educação me cabe, sempre me coube. Quero lhe dizer uma coisa, você não sabe absolutamente nada absolutamente nada. Você não sabe de biologia, você não sabe de sociologia, eu não sei o que você está fazendo aqui. Você sabe o que habita dentro do seu corpo? Eu já te falei, todo mundo sabe, que valor não é um espírito que se baixa no corpo. Acabei de dizer que a escravidão ela estava prevista em lei. Valor, assim como lei, se modifica conforme o tempo e a cultura. Aprenda isso. Se você está aqui agora, você oriundo da quebrada, é porque houve possibilidade de acesso de muita gente pobre que militou e que desconstruiu imaginários para que pessoas pobres como você e como eu estivessem aqui. Porque você acha que essa casa, com a quantidade de tempo que ela tem, ela sempre esteve pelas ossas da, da elite. Da elite, não. Da classe dominante. Elite é muito sofisticado para dizer isso. Elite só tem em África, em Europa, de alguma forma. O que tem no Brasil é classe dominante. Você só está aqui porque houve uma perfuração dessa bolha. Entenda isso e se coloque no seu lugar. Exijo para a abertura a de processo de decoro, quebra de decoro parlamentar. The contentious confrontation on the floor of Alespi between Malunguinho and Garcia was covered in news cycles for various days following this interaction. Polit politicians from Malunguinho's party and leftist parties throughout Brazil made solidarity with her known and spoke against transphobia spouted by Garcia. On April 4th, the day after, Malunguinho convened a press conference with other members from leftist parties in Alespi 
including Erica Hilton, a Black trans woman elected with the collective campaign Bancada Chivista, and Maria Clara Araujo, a Black trans woman activist and an advisor to Erica's parliamentary team. Both sat in the middle at Malunguinho's side. The press conference reiterated the party's repudiation of transphobia and sexism spouted by Garcia and, and his party's charge against gender ideology. On April 5th, Janaina Pascual, a lawyer who gained fame three years prior for helping to file the petition for the impeachment of President Dilma Rousseffi and becoming a PSL state representative with an unprecedented 2 million votes, took the podium at Alespi to defend Garcia. In her speech, she stated that Garcia asked Pascual to help him publicly come out as gay. She says in her speech, I quote, the fact that he is homosexual doesn't mean that he can't think one way or another about a proposed law, end quote. While relaying Garcia's coming out, Pascual downplayed the violent transphobic discourse by, by claiming that he is simply a young representative learning the best ways to support and or disagree with someone in Congress, effectively stealing the attention away from Malunguinho and leftist party's complaints about Garcia's break of parliamentary decorum. But the central point in Pascual's message is clear. It doesn't matter what your gender, sexuality, class, or race is, what matters is your conservative political ideology. That same week in Sao Paulo, my friend Daniel pictured here and I were discussing the montage of events that we were witnessing unfold. Daniel is a black queer scholar activist and translator from the interior of state, the state of Sao Paulo who served as a Fulbright fellow in the USA before moving to the city of Sao Paulo. We found ourselves thrilled about the increasing political power of Black LGBTQ political actors across the world, but we subsequently did not know how to navigate the complexities that political actors like Douglas Garcia brought to the idea of Black queer power. The common motto of the time, I'm rooting for everyone Black, became complicated when we put it in the context of people's political ideologies because, as my friend Daniel put it, quote, not everyone who is black is rooting for us. Daniel argued that thinking through the differences between someone like Erika Malunguinho and Douglas Garcia gestures to the two words that are used for representation in Brazilian Portuguese. As a translator and language teacher, Daniel is someone who is fascinated with words, especially as they relate to black diasporic communities. And he was intrigued that in English, there only exists one words one word to represent the two meanings of representation. He explained it in Portuguese, representação referred to a simple version of representation that points to a representational optic. For example, black face places in high, high places, black faces in high places, but without any connection of accountability to the community they represent. However, representatividade speaks to a different kind of representation altogether. Representatividade serves as more of an ideology um, than a simple act of representação. Representatividade is when candidates' ideological investments are in line with the communities they represent. Therefore, representatividade is not simply about being a certain race, sexuality, gender, or class, but representing the best interests of the communities you, you represent. 
Daniel's explanations of the differences between Heptizitha Sawi, Heptizitha Chiridaji helped me to contextualize the recent foray of Black LGBTQ people into electoral politics and to think for, further through the political differences between the representation of Erika Malunguinho and Douglas Garcia. On December 18, 2018, Erika Malunguinho began her tenure as the first Black trans state representative in the state of Sao Paulo at the ceremony officializing winning candidates. In a striking photo from that event, Erika Malunguinho stands center stage, her brown skin shining against the background of a white majority white Congress sitting behind her. She wears a blue dress with the black feminine Orisha Imanja embroidered prominently in the center of her dress. With her locks braided royally over to the side, Malunguinho stands with her fist held high Striking, strikingly emanating an image of black power against a white dominate, dominated system. The day following the ceremony, that picture of Malunguinho on stage went viral. The image of a black trans woman openly and proudly professing a black feminine power unapologetically and without wish to whiten or soften her image was a slap in the face to Brazil's century long claims of a lack of race consciousness and a lack of race problems. Her moment of emergence as a state representative embodies the radical approach to identity politics that she strives to uphold. While running her campaign, Malunguinho's slogan was alternancia do poder, or a rotation of power. In an interview con conducted with Mija Ninja prior to her election in 2018, Malunguinho explains the necessity of these words saying, and I quote, a rotation of power so that there is a reformulation into another possibility of being in society. It's necessary that this power is rotated. It's necessary that the people, especially the people who have always been on the margins, it's necessary that these people be the ones to produce this new place because naturally they're, they're more skilled, more sensitive and more capable to do this once you understand their lived experience, end quote. For Malunguinho, her arrival at the into the political sphere is not simply about being the black trans image of success for others, but rather redefining what sex success is and who is entitled to it, always centering those in the margins. Despite running a solo campaign, Malunguinho refuses to make her political journey alone. She continually, she continually centers and brings her community with her. Her mandata quilombo, the parliamentary staff that she hired to run her mandate is filled with black people from various intersectional identities. Her staff is a reflection of her commitment to a rotation of power, as well as a gesture to the ideas of quilombismo. Quilombismo, a term popularized by the black Brazilian scholar activist and artist Abgis Nascimento, calls for a democratic approach calls for a democratic approach to community building that centers black people and black people and cultural practices. The term invokes quilombos, communities of enslaved Africans who ran away to create societies outside of the reach of slave catchers. Malunguinho, who views these quilombos as Brazil's first experiment with democracy, models her own foray into Brazilian democracy after their example. 
And in, in a personal interview with a representative speaking on how she is manifesting quilombismo, she says, I quote, this quilombo speaks to the fight for the land, LGBT people, women's movements, education, immigration, penitentiary subjects, masculinities from people from Afro-Brazilian religions and the black movements. Maunguinho politically ground, grounding her politically grounding her staff and ideology for her parliamentary tenure in the idea ideologies and histories of quilombos also works to rotate power in the intellectual history of Brazilian democracy and recenter black political philosophy. For representative Malunguinho, the rotation of power is not simply about ideas that are, that are prevalent in government, but also about the people who are behind, behind the ideas that are circulating. Black people and black ideas in government are central to her political foray. Centering an alternancia do poder, Malunguinho understands the, the kind of representation she wants her campaign to promulgate. In an interview I conducted with the representative in 2019, she said, and I quote, when we say representatividade matters, what I mean is that not all Black people or LGBT people can claim this space to speak on what is important to these groups. With this, I'm not negating the Blackness of anybody or the womanhood of anybody, but I'm saying that the movements of these groups mark their territory in line with these historic constructions. This speaks to the battle and constant negotiation for, for participation and basic rights, end quote. Malunguinho's understanding of representatividade is in line directly with both people's identities and lived experiences, but also with the collective movement that is connected to these identities. Malunguinho agrees that people's individual experiences of race, gender, and class, and other classifications are important. However, what is more important than those individual experiences is collective political goals that work to refute the power dynamics that control these communities. When Malunguinho advocates for her community, she acknowledges the complicated and sometimes conflicting voices that exist within the community she represents. On the day of the confrontation between Representative Garcia and Representative Malunguinho, she recognizes the family members of killed military police officers saying, uh, protesting the disposability of police officers by the state, saying, quote, my father was also a military police officer. Some people don't think that the death of, some people don't think about the death of, a mili of the military police. It's exactly in the thinking about the death of people, military or civilians, that the discourse that I've always put forth about public safety, it can't be a discourse that speaks only of the politics of arming oneself. A discourse about public safety needs to obviously think about education, redistribution of wealth, access to material and immaterial goods. To think of public safety, we need to think about how to decrease violence. To decrease violence, it is necessary to guarantee access to people, access to people that are, who are deprived from their basic rights to life. So Erica's statement, as the member, family member of a police officer draws attention to the fact that police officers are also a part of the community that she speaks for in her radical representational politics. 
In 2009, the National Geography and Statistics Institute in Brazil found that 64% of the people who were killed, 64% um, of those who were killed by police uh, in, in the state of Sao Paulo were black, despite the, the, the state having a majority population of 60%. In that same study, the, the census organization found that black police officers also represented a majority of the deaths, um, of the violent deaths within uh, the police force. While the black civilian community is extremely affected by violent military occupation of their communities, black police officers are also disproportionately affected by the, uh, the violence of police actions. Therefore, Malunguinho highlights both black civilian and military citizens are faced with genocidal violence that affects them at rates disproportionate to their demographic presence. Malunguinho challenges the com common conservative Brazilian relief, belief that in the need for more armed civilians for safety measures uh, by showing that violent, but that violent, the violent challenges for those who are already trained to use guns. For Malunguinho, being the daughter of a black military police officer could not have led her to the conclusion that criminals largely defined as poor and black deserve to be eliminated. The central project that Malunguinho and her team have been working on since her election has been a statewide expansion of the program Transidadania. The program provides low-income trans, partic low trans participants with education and work training to sustain themselves independently after two years. The program also provides training on how to, to navigate transpho transphobia and discrimination faced by trans people in the workplace and in general society. Besides this project, Malunguinho has also proposed the creation of a trans population census to understand in depth the lives of trans people in the state of Sao Paulo, as well as comprehend the barriers, that, barriers and violences that trans people face. Both Transcidadania and the project for a trans population census work to deconstruct the institutional transphobia faced by trans populations and, er and usher in more freedoms for the community. Representative Malunguinho's advocacy for, the trans for trans populations like herself inside Alespi speak to the kind of representational politics she finds best in having people from oppressed communities who have faced these struggles to be the ones who create public policies and programs for these communities. So I'm going to shift gears to talk a little bit about Douglas Garcia and what his kind of representation represents. When the news broke out about Representative Douglas Garcia's sexuality, days after his transphobic declaration on the floor of Alespi, I was shocked at how someone who was both Black and LGBTQ could support such a political ideology from a multiple, multiply oppressed standpoint. However, I stepped back to reflect, asking myself if blackness or racial oppression was something that Garcia identifies with in his own life. Garcia's facial features read as someone who could easily fit into the color category of pardo or brown or mixed race in some translations due to his black racial features, but light tan skin. After years of research about the interlocking social positions of pretos, blacks, 
and pardos, browns in Brazil, an advocacy from the black movement who had argued that the separation of color categories, the color categories of preto and pardo only go to obscure a black majority in Brazil. The National Brazilian Census Organization made the change to consider pretos and pardos of, as a part of one black racial category, making distinct race and color. However, through my own ethnographic observations, I have found that just because the census and parts of the black movement consider this to be a fact, this racial analysis does not necessarily arrive to all Brazilian households, especially in the peripheral and majority black neighborhoods like American, Americanopolis, where Garcia hails. Scholar activist Abagias do Nascimento reflects on color hierarchies in Brazil and how they con contribute to the goal of racial and social whitening in, in, for black populations in Brazil. In analyzing the racial census data from, from the colonial era to the 1950s, Nascimento argues that black communities in Brazil have historically used color classifications as tools to escape the weight of racial discrimination and highlight the closeness to whiteness. Lighter skinned African descendants have, have had the ability to whiten themselves through a combination of racial and social choices, effective, effectively bettering their social position in society, in society and incentivizing a deinvestment in blackness. The choice of Garcia or any other light-skinned black Brazilian to identify as preto, pardo, or branco is part of an imposed process of negotiating social mobility versus racial empowerment. While researching Garcia's racial identification, I came across a documentary produced by Vice Magazine Brazil that covered the rise of the far right in Brazil among young people in which Dar Douglas Garcia was extensively interviewed before his campaign for a state representative. State representative. While he makes no mention of race and color in his interviews, in the tour of his house, he shows a myriad of signs that point to an identification with blackness, at least at one point in his life. In these screenshots from the Vice documentary, from the Vice documentary, Garcia shows the pictures that decorate the, the wall of his room. The wall prominently features three black male figures, Nelson Mandela, the anti-apartheid activist and former president of South Africa, Barack Obama, the first black president of the United States, and Joaquin Barbosa, a black jurist from the Brazilian Federal Supreme Court from 2003 to 2014. The photo of Joaquin Barbosa has written in the top corner, quote, nigga injustice, while in the photo of Barack Obama has, quote, nigga in presidency written in the top corner. These three pictures and, and the inscription on two of them suggest a pride in these three black men's ascension in the political world. While the photos of Mandela, Obama, and Barbosa might not be an indicator of his current racial self-image, it does suggest that at one point in Garcia's life, he identified closely with blackness and important black political figures. However, despite all of these indicators of how he is seen and how he's seen himself in the past, Garcia's official racial classification with, uh, with Alespi before he ran uh, to be a state representative is white. 
And you can see the, the screenshots of this uh, from his official uh, state representative uh, account. Meg Hayata Gomez de Oliveira explains in her work on Black LGBTQ teachers in the educational sphere that Black people entering spaces of power that are initially hostile to them often experience these spaces working to depoliticize their identities, whitening them to neutralize their threat to, the, to those in power. Therefore, Leaning into light-skinned privilege and opting out of Blackness for Garcia is incentivized by the conservative right uh, who embraces nationalism through social and racial whitening. For example, Hamilton Moral, pictures in the bottom right corner of this slide, Brazil's uh, vice president touted the whitening of his family to, to reporters while campaigning with Bolsonaro. He enthusiastically connected the beauty of his grandson to the whitening of his family. Contemporary praises for racial whitening in Brazil, Brazilian families of African descent from the conservative right continue the long legacy, the long Brazilian legacy of whitening the, the image of the Brazilian nation. Yet, despite Garcia's choice of social and racially white, racial whitening over blackness, for other light-skinned Afro-Brazilians in the periphery, he is still a representative force for them. Analyzing Garcia's careful navigation and weaponization of this representation, both as a peripheral racialized subject and as a gay man, is integral to understanding the opportunistic uses of representational politics for Black LGBTQ politicians. And as a quick side note, in an interview this year, Douglas, Douglas Garcia finally publicly identified as Black, but only to, only to weaponize that identity um, when he was reprimanded by the Ethics Committee of Alespi for making an anti-fascist list of organizer. And he said that they're only coming after me because I'm Black, gay, and conservative. So interesting. <laughs> While Garcia is a representative of, the far, of a far-right party, he sees himself as representing the interests of the periphery. Garcia used, used to be a leftist, but changed his political positions over time. In the interview with Vice News, the representative speaks to these challenges in his, these changes in his ideology, explaining, quote, when my professor told me, ah, Douglas, you are a leftist, I asked, what is a leftist? To be a leftist is to fight for the poor. To be a leftist is to defend the workers. Then I must be a leftist because I'm poor, because I'm a worker, so I have to be a leftist. But when I began to perceive that when women go to the streets and take off their clothes in the middle of Paulista Avenue and begin yelling to defend their positions, saying that there exists a rape culture and it needs to end, I don't believe, I don't believe that that is the best way to destroy rape culture, if it actually exists. Garcia cites the beginning of his political journey by locating his own social position and placing himself in solidarity with those who share that same oppression. He enters his trajectory on the left because he understands the left as the defenders of his community, the working poor. However, as he explains his fight against what he considers as improper and indecent display of gender and womanhood becomes more important and, and changes his direct trajectory from defending the working poor. Here he marks himself as an impassioned activist against gender ideology. 
Judith Butler, a recipient of much of the vitriol launched by the conservative Brazilian conservative right, explains <clears throat> that the religious rights obsession with gender ideology and insistence on attacking gender identity is truthfully tied up in the desire to uphold heteropatriarchal gender hierarchies that the Christian church relies upon. Therefore, Garcia's reaction to women protesters' choice to show their bodies in protest um, to the violence of rape culture shows his investment in upholding these heteropatriarchal hierarchies. While he works to defend this exertion of power to reject gender ideology, he invokes communities that he is in part of, such as gay men, to further his ideological battle. In an interview about his coming out with, uh, after a, the Alessi con uh, confrontation with Erika Malanguinho, Garcia said, quote, the media wanted to put it as, as if I was this closeted gay man until then and was hiding the story. And because of this, I was offending everybody. That has nothing to do with this. I have always combated and will continue to combat the LGBT movement. I continue being radically against the LGBT mo movement, but now with even more credibility. Again, Garcia marks himself as an LGBT person working against the LGBTQ movement. His work in the LGBTQ movement doesn't his work against the LGBTQ movement doesn't suggest working towards a better alternative for LGBTQ people, but rather it takes advantage of his representation or representation to work against the community he represents. While critiques of a movement are valid, Garcia's well-developed critique work against gender ideology juxtaposed with a blanket rejection in uh, combating of the LGBTQ movement shows a more vested interest in exertion in the exertion of heteropatriarchal power than the establishment of a better life for those who share his identity. Because I'm running short on time, I'm going to skip a little bit ahead. Um, no, you're not. Oh, I'm not. Okay, so I'll go a little back. <laughs> a little over a month after Garcia's coming out, he appeared with. With his, on his social media accounts uh, with a shirt that says gays with Bolsonaro engraved on it. And, and this is the, the picture that's uh, pictured on this slide. Garcia posted the picture to show his support for the upcoming May 26th marches in support of Jair, Jair Bolsonaro. Garcia uses his identity to argue that there are gay people who support the right in Brazil without mention of the violent LGBT uh, LGBTQ phobia that is endorsed by the leadership of the PSL. In October 2019, during a public fallout between the leadership of, P of the PSL and Jair Bolsonaro, Garcia, taking the side of Bolsonaro in the fallout, accuses Representative Joyce Hasselman from the PSL of homophobia after she called him a derogatory word for gay men in jest on Twitter. Garcia even threatened to report her to the ethics committee for, for the interaction, which many found ironic considering Garcia himself was condemned to the Alessi ethics committee for transphobic language. Despite Garcia withdrawing his threat, the interaction between him and Hasselman showed that he is once again willing to use his identity not in service of LGBTQ people, but in service of his conservative allies in the case of Bolsonaro. 
is so my last point about Garcia is that it's important to note that his main point, the main point of attack for him are trans people, those who he considers as people who purport gender ideology, not gay men like himself who uphold gender binaries. While being gay marks Garcia as marginalized, his cisgender man identity allows a normative performance of gender and sexuality that does not mark him as a threat to the conservative rights. His participation in oppression, uh, the oppression of others less normative, another less normative identity in the LGBTQ umbrella, such as trans people, works to further, further guarantee his space within the conservative right. Garcia's staunch dedication to gender norms is the kind of gay politics that Kathy Cohen in her work, Punks, Bulldaggers, and Welfare Queens, critiques because it goes against the project of a radical queer politic. Garcia, understanding that gender norms do not prejudicate him so much, works to uphold gender norms at the expense of trans people. Cohen argues instead, in the lens of a radical queer politics, to use your oppressed identity to understand, empathize, and ally with struggles of other oppressed people different from oneself. Garcia refuses this work and chooses instead to use his identities as props in the service of upholding oppression and exerting power over others. So in conclusion, the Kambahi the River Collective Statement explained that, quote, if Black women were free, it would mean that everyone else would have to be free, since our oppression would necessitate the destruction of all systems of oppression. Understanding this claim, one can understand the radical potential that lies in the work of Erika Malunguinho's Hepatis and Tachiritaji. Using the power analysis gained from analyzing her own community's social position, she presents a vision of, for society that works to overturn and deconstruct all inequities. Her actions are continually in conversation with a community collective that represents people oppressed like herself. Her quilombo approach and emphasis on the rotation of power present a vision of society that centers the viewpoint of intersectional Black experiences. On the other hand, Douglas Garcia shows a complicated case of representation when it comes to LGBTQ identities and shows that the only type of representatividade uh, he finds important is that which aligns with his political ideology. Garcia doesn't hesitate to weaponize his gay identity to support conservative goals, causing harm against LGBTQ population and or black communities. These varied manifestations of representation and representational politics are reminders that being the first black LGBTQ anything is not an outright sign of destruction of systems that work to marginalize black queer and trans communities. While Kathy Cohen's call for a radical queer politics emphasizes the potential of a marginalized standpoint to radicalize the politics of the marginalized person, the realization of that potential is not a guarantee. The presence of an ideological community to foster the thoughts and ideas of marginalized people plays a larger role in their approach to their own analysis of power. Erika Malunguinho's continual connection with Black communities through her quilombismo approach is heavily contrasted with Douglas Garcia's community of the Sao Paulo right. Regardless of the individual experiences with discrimination and oppression, 
the community that fosters the ideological discourse in the Black LGBTQ person's life plays a larger role in, in whether they will center that community's voice in their political dialogue. These instances of hepatizenthasel show that not every Black LGBTQ person will be an advocate for other LGB, Black LGBTQ people. But the moments of hepatizenthasel emphasize the radical possibility within a Black LGBTQ standpoint for the deconstruction of oppressive systems and a creation of something new. As a very quick epilogue um, that I can't leave out, this week's biennial national elections for mayors and city, city council members throughout Brazil grew the number of elected, uh, the number of elected officials, Black LGBTQ, sorry, LGBTQ officials to 60, an unprecedented number. In Sao Paulo, the people, the people occupying the fifth, sixth, and seventh most voted spot out of all 55 city council members are all Black LGBTQ people from drastically different political orientations. In the fifth spot, with about 68,000 votes, is Fernando Holliday, a Black gay activist from the right who was who reelected as a city council member and notoriously is against the rights of LGBTQ people gender ideology and affirmative action racial quotas for black people. In the sixth spot with about 51,000 votes, Erica Hilton, uh, a black trans leftist activist who had already served as a state representative in, Sao Paulo, in the Sao Paulo collective mandate Bancada Achivista in 2018. In the seventh spot with about 46,000 votes, the five women collective Bancada Feminista that holds uh, as, a, uh, as a member Carolina Yara, a black leftist intersex HIV positive activist. I have interviewed both Erica and Carolina for my dissertation research, and they both speak to the importance of Heptisintachiridaji and representing the interests of the communities they represent. A strong contrast to Holiday's tirade against equity programs for black, LGB black and LGBTQ people in Sao Paulo. The battle for representation within the black LGBTQ community clearly continues. Thank 